Section 10 of The Life of St. Dominic Savio by St. John Bosco. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 17. Dominic's Intimate Associates. From much of the foregoing, it will be concluded that Dominic was a friend to all, and was regarded by all as a friend. If anyone did not feel drawn to him in a particular manner, it was impossible not to treat him with respectful regard. He was of such excellent dispositions, partly from his natural gifts, partly from his training and efforts, that he was often given charge of boys who needed some special care and skillful handling, so that he might gradually bring them up to the standard that flourished at the oratory. In carrying out these charges, he was particularly apt at profiting of every occasion that presented itself, whether in recreation, or walks, or church. But if he was regarded as a friend by the boys in general, he was something more to those who were associated with him in the sodality of the Immaculate Conception. These were his co-workers, counselors, and intimate friends. They were brought together for their extra devotions, their talks and arrangements, their discussions concerning the boys who were entrusted to their care for special guidance, and all other items concerning the apostolate of those who belonged to the sodality, and which was far-reaching in its scope. These conferences and propositions were made with the approval of the director, but were held by the boys themselves. Savi was the prime mover in these meetings, and, in fact, was looked up to as the teacher and guiding spirit. There were, however, several prominent members who were very like him in their zeal and piety, and in their skill and capabilities in assisting in the training of their younger companions. Many of these are still living, and engaged in the priesthood or in prominent positions. It would, therefore, perhaps, not be tactful to speak of them directly, but I have thought it useful to call attention to two of them who have already been called away to their eternal reward. They are Camillus Gavio and John Meseglia. The former only remained at the oratory two months, but it was long enough to leave a lasting remembrance. His piety had always been conspicuous, and with this he possessed remarkable talents, particularly for painting and sculpture, so much so that the municipality of Tortona, his native city, had awarded him a scholarship, so that he might come to the schools of Turin to continue his studies and artistic training. Shortly before his arrival at the oratory, he had recovered from a serious illness, this doubtless accounted for much of his quiet, retiring life, for he was practically only then convalescent, and at a distance from his home and friends. Moreover, he knew none of the boys at the oratory, and all these circumstances combined to make him rather a spectator of than a partner in the games, and he was often noticed with a far-away, abstracted look. Savio soon made his acquaintance and got into conversation. He had quickly elicited the main facts of the boy's life, including his late illness, but this last item should be described in the words of the actual speakers. The newcomer had described briefly his illness, which was concerned with a weakness of the heart, and had brought him to death's door. "'You desired very much to be cured, I suppose,' inquired Dominic. "'No, not a great deal. I only desire that the will of God might be done.' No more than this was required to convince Savio that his new acquaintance was gifted with extraordinary piety, and he secretly rejoiced at this acquisition to the oratory. He therefore followed up the boy's response by remarking, Whoever desires to do the will of God is anxious for his own sanctification. Do you ever feel this desire? Oh, yes, it has long been my chief ambition. Very good. The number of our friends increases daily. You will join our inner circle of those who have the same ambition as you have. The new boy agreed, and a discussion was held as to his future conduct. Savio pointed out to him that at the oratory, sanctity consisted principally in being happy, that the boys took every care to avoid sin, as the great enemy, to do all their duties as well as possible, and to perform the practices of piety with exactitude. Servite Domino in Laetitia is to be our motto. This advice of Dominic seemed to fall like a healing balm on the soul of Camillus. 
he became a close companion of Dominic's, and from him learnt the secrets of great holiness that he had himself acquired. With such a guide, and with his own excellent good will and dispositions, it was no wonder he made rapid progress in virtue, so as to become prominent even among those who were themselves all of a very high standard of exactitude and piety. However, his rapid progress in piety was like a swift course towards heaven. The illness he had described to Dominic had left effects that could not be removed by medical aid, and it was soon evident that he was in a very dangerous condition. Every care from physicians and friends was his, but in vain. It was time for him to go to that divine Lord whose will he had so faithfully sought to do, and after receiving the sacraments with great edification, he died on December thirtieth, 1856. Dominic was his constant attendant during his illness, and would readily have watched by him all night, but he was not allowed. When he was told that his companion had died, he asked to go and see the body, and looking at the face of his friend, he said with emotion, Farewell, Gavio. I am quite sure that you have gone to heaven, so prepare a place for me. However, I shall always be a friend to you, and shall pray for the repose of your soul as long as I am here on earth. The sodality of the Immaculate Conception has special rules for the prayers and communions to be offered for the deceased members, and Dominic immediately arranged for them to be carried out. His words and recommendations to his companions on this occasion were typical of that gravity, which he always displayed in regard to things of the spiritual life, of the importance of which he had always an intimate conviction. End of chapter 17 Chapter 18 Dominic Savio and John Massiglia there was a boy at the oratory whose character and career bore a striking similarity to Dominic's. He had come to turn at the same time. He had come from a little place quite close to Mondonio, so that they were practically from the one district. He had the same intentions as Dominic, to embrace the ecclesiastical state, and he was inspired with a like eagerness to advance in the science of the saints. This was John Massiglia. He had been talking one day to his friends about their future hopes, and after their exchange of ideas, Dominic said, it will not be sufficient for us merely to desire to become priests. There are means to be adopted to acquire the virtues that are suitable to that state. John replied that he was fully aware of it, but that he had confidence that they would have the grace to acquire them if they were chosen to be among the ministers of Jesus Christ. There had been some special sermons and exercises in preparation for the Easter communions, and these two had taken part in them with singular devotion. After their communion, Dominic said to his companion, I very much desire that we should be true friends, friends, that is, in regard to the affairs of the soul. I propose that from now on we each admonish the other in regard to anything that may be thought useful for our spiritual advancement. If you see anything wrong in my conduct, tell me immediately, that I may correct it. Or if you think of any good I ought to perform, point it out to me. His friend promised to do so. Though, he said, there will be no opportunity, and on the condition that you do the same for me, who am in much greater need of such an arrangement. Dominic replied that this was not the time for compliments, but that henceforth they would help each other in the progress of their soul. From that time, Dominic Savio and John Messiglia were intimate friends, and it was a true and perfect friendship, since it was founded upon real charity and nourished by the frequent intercommunion of those pious suggestions and experiences which are prompted only by solid virtue. At the end of the scholastic year, after the examinations, all the boys were allowed to go to their homes for the vacation, but some always preferred to remain at the oratory both for the advantages of extra study and to continue their exercises of piety, which could scarcely be carried on at home. Savio and Massiglia are among the number, but I knew that both were equally expected by their parents to spend the holidays at home, and that a change and rest were necessary after their year's work at their books. I therefore met them both together and said, Why do you not prefer to go home for a time? No answer was at first forthcoming. Both began to smile. What is the meaning of that smile? I inquired. Then Dominic replied, 
We know that our parents would like us to go home, and in one way we are anxious to go. But as long as birds are in their cage, they are safe from the hawk. Once out of it, there is risk of falling into the toils of the enemy of souls. But in spite of their good intentions and their desires to stay, I insisted on their going home for a time. They obeyed, but only stayed away the minimum time that I had appointed. If a detailed description were to be given of this friend, it would be very similar to the one being given of Dominic himself, for they had the same ideals and were led in the same paths of virtue. Massiglia was of far more robust build than Dominic, and his health never gave anxiety. In fact, he was most promising in every way, particularly in regard to his progress in his studies. He had finished his course of rhetoric and had received the clerical habit, for which he had so ardently longed, but he was destined to enjoy his happiness only for a few months. Some indisposition, slight though it appeared to be, caused us to insist on his studies being laid aside for a time, and as he did not appear to recover, he was sent to his native place, by the advice of the doctors. Well, there he wrote to his friend the following letter. My dear friend, when I left the oratory, I thought I should be away only for a short time, so that I did not think it necessary to bring any books or school things with me, but now it appears that my recovery will take time, and in fact the issue of my illness is quite uncertain. The doctor says I am improving, but I think I am gradually getting worse. We shall see which of us is right. My chief regret is that I must be away from the oratory and from you, and have had to give up most of the exercises of piety which we used to practice. My only consolation is in the recollection of the days when we went together to Holy Communion, and the preparation we used to make for them. However, although we are to be separated in body, we shall remain united in heart and spirit. I want to ask you to get from my desk some manuscripts and the Latin copy of the Imitation of Christ, which is beside them, and send both on to me. You may imagine how tired I am of doing nothing. The doctor will not hear of my studying at all. I have plenty of time for consideration, and often wonder whether I am to be cured, or to go back again to the oratory, or whether this is destined to be my last illness. In any case, I feel ready to submit with joy to the holy will of God. If you have any suggestion to make, tell me of it. Do not forget to pray for me, and if we may not have the opportunity of enjoying our former friendship, I trust we shall enjoy together one day a happy eternity. Remember me to all my friends, particularly to the sodality of Our Lady Immaculate. Believe me, your affectionate friend, John Massiglia. Dominic at once carried out his friend's request, and enclosed the following letter. My dear Massiglia, your letter was a source of consolation to me, and all your friends, for it at least showed that you were alive, a fact which we were beginning to doubt, and did not know whether to sing the Gloria Patri or the De Profundis. The things you have asked for are being sent. I will only remark that though Thomas Akempis is a good friend, he is dead and gone. You must search for him in his writings, and make his counsel living again by putting it into practice. I see that you are desirous for the opportunities we have here for the performance of the spiritual exercises. You are right. When I am away from the oratory, I feel the same need. I used to try to make up for it by visiting this blessed sacrament every day, and getting some companions to go with me if they would. Besides the imitation, I used to read The Hidden Treasure by St. Leonard of Port Maurice. You could do the same, perhaps, if you feel disposed. You say that you do not know whether you will return to the oratory or not. Truth to tell, I also feel that my health is showing alarming symptoms, and I have a presentiment that I am advancing with rapid strides towards the end of my studies and of my life. We can at least pray for each other, that we may have the grace of a happy death. Whichever one of us goes to heaven first must prepare a place for the other, and will be able to stretch out a helping hand to lead him to his heavenly home. May God keep us in his grace, and help us to become saints, for we may not have long to live. All your friends are longing for your return to the oratory, and send their kind remembrances to you. For myself, I remain, your most affectionate friend, Dominic Savio. 
The illness of young Missiglia, as we have said, appeared slight at first. More than once he seemed quite recovered, but again relapsed until he was quite suddenly brought to the point of death. Father Vafre, who was his director while at Mondonio, writes, he had time to receive the last comforts of religion, and did so with greatest edification. He died the death of the just man who leaves this world to go straight to his reward. Savio was profoundly grieved at the death of his close friend, and although resigned to the will of God, he mourned his loss for some time. It was almost the only occasion that I had seen his gentle face covered with the tears of sorrow. His one consolation was to pray for his friend's soul, and to get others to pray for him. More than once he said, Massiglia has gone to join Gavio in heaven. When shall I go to join him in the bliss of paradise? As long as Dominic lived, he had his friend often in mind, particularly at Mass and at the spiritual exercises. He never ceased to recommend to God the soul of that friend who, he felt, had been of such assistance to him. In fact, this loss had more serious results than one would think, for it seriously affected the already weakened frame of the friend and his health, which had never been robust. End of chapter 18